What it do? What it do? Wow, that was a hard ass semester, bro. Dude, yeah. I mean, I just want to say like, COVID really switched things up this year on us. But you know, thankfully, you know, we we, we made it through. Temi, we also got Joel on the podcast today. So what's up? The recurring guest. The recurring guest, <laughs> Joel. Um. But yeah, man, that was a tough semester. Um, and I'm sure it's not just for us. I'm sure everybody um, went through hard times. But, you know, hopefully this time next year, we'll be in a better place. And that's one thing uh, I actually was discussing with uh, a lot of people. Um, you know, you think about it, literally everyone in the world was touched or was changed in some way this year. Um, and that definitely goes not just for us, for everyone. And um, it's just crazy to see that, it's crazy to think that everyone experienced something different. Everyone changed in their own unique way. Yeah, it really made all of us uncomfortable, put us in quite awkward and not comfortable situations. So it forced a lot of us to grow. Right, and I guess like that's the silver lining, the glass half full uh, view of it, but I want to ask, you know, even though we've had a tough semester, what are you guys doing to this winter break? Because we have a couple of weeks off from our school. So what, what are you guys' plans? I want to know this. Honestly, not that exciting. Uh, probably like everyone else in our class, um, you know, everyone's talking about board studying, man. So, you know, I think that's something that I'm trying to get a headway on. Um, of course, going to go back home on Monday to Dallas. Uh, spend time with family, Christmas, New Year's, um, and I'm excited for that. But, you know, obviously the, um, thinking about boards, thinking about uh, the future, you know, because like we, we've had conversations before in private, how these next six months are going to determine the rest of our lives. And it's kind of a eerie but exciting feeling. And, you know, but that pressure is definitely um, um, is motivating uh, to actually work and grind and make sure you do the absolute best you can. And if anyone knows about pressure, it's my boy, Temi, because he works, he thrives under pressure. Yeah, man, these next six months, very important. And as you said, that pressure, definitely on my shoulders and starting to feel the weight as, as it approaches and it's starting to become more real day by day. But speaking of pressure, you know, what helps us get through our pressures, our support systems and I believe like the relations we have in our life, whether it be family, your friends, significant others, and so on. I believe that's a big part of big part of what helps us get through this whole process because this is a marathon. This is by no means a race. Day in and day out, you know, it's just as much mentally exhausting as it's physically exhausting some days. Yeah, and, and it's like a good point that both of you guys bring up is that I wanna spend this break with like my family and friends, right? It's it's kind of making up for lost time because so much of our time during school is spent studying and the sacrifices we make, unfortunately, sometimes end up sacrificing a part of our relationship with other people. And for me, um, my relationships are with family and friends, right? And God, obviously, but family and friends are they're the tangible ones. And so I can speak on those aspects. But I want you, Temi, to talk about what your relationship with your significant other, how that has impacted you in your journey in medical school so far. So 
I guess my situation different than the typical medical student, I would say. I came into med school in a relationship, and I believe that kind of just ground me, helped keep me goal-oriented, focused on the process, like day in and day out. Like I knew that I had to cons consistently put in work and study and uh, build discipline, build hard work, you know, build a routine because motivation is fickle, so it's better to have a routine. So I was putting in the work, but like the relationship constantly reminded me that my whole life was in med school. Constantly reminded me that like there's more to life than just studying. Yes, I want to be intelligent. I want to be knowledgeable to help my future patients, but I can't get to that point if like I'm not mentally stable, if I'm not enjoying my life. Like that's many years in the making, and I gotta be. I gotta. Sometimes it's nice to just step back and look at the bigger picture. Like I like to look at my life from a bird's eye perspective and med school is just one component of it. It's not my whole life. Like I still have my support system. I still have my beautiful girlfriend, my loving girlfriend. I still have my wonderful parents. I still have my um, knowledgeable friends, my caring friends. So like those are all components of my life and med school is just one component out of it. Those sometimes I have to give it more attention than other areas of my life. I'm still aware of my other situations. And I, be I believe being in a relationship is uh, truly just kept me grounded because a lot of times I could have really lost myself throughout this process. Could you also argue that being in a relationship and I'm talking with the significant other being in like an intimate relationship, is that an added stress to the already rigorous coursework and curriculum and expectations that you have in medical school? Honestly, you could argue both. Because I think of a relationship kind of like a plant, right? If you water it rigorously, like daily, give it sunlight, you know, do all the necessary things, you know, it will blossom. You reap what you sow. But if you're ignoring it all the time, not putting in the work, you know, it will deteriorate. Even eventually, you know, with it. So with the relationship, I believe yes. Initially, it took time to put in the work and to strengthen it. And first semester, surprisingly, I don't know, like. I was able to handle both, even though it took a lot of work. But the following semesters that followed after that, like because I put in that much work, I don't want to say it was like on autopilot, but it was just not like as much work to keep it going. And the support system was already there. So it, in fact, it kind of just benefited me because I believe a lot of med students see med school as like this competition between your classmates. You know, what's my class rank? I want to be the best at this and that. And with me, I just wasn't worried about that. I just wanted to come in, learn as much as I can, do the best I can, and just keep it going because I had other things to focus on. You know, this wasn't my whole life. All right. And and you make a very good point that having that support system, somebody that you can just go to for, you know, with all your like deep issues and things like that, and having someone be there for you. But I think you also make a really good point in that it's something that's not going to happen over time. You said that in the following semesters that it was autopilot, as you said, it became easy because you both understood. And I think that's an important thing is that you need to find or have somebody who's understanding if they're, especially if they're not in the medical field, it's very hard for someone, a lay person, as we say, to really understand what we go through and to have somebody who's understanding and caring that, okay, you know what, even though, you know, tonight is usually like our date night, but you know, you have you have an exam coming up, so you're not going to be available tonight. I think having somebody who's understanding of your situation as well 
it's it's very important to making a healthy relationship work because you don't want to hold on to a burning rope, you know, mm-hmm. for the sake of being in a relationship, you're in a relationship and it's just hurting both people. Um, and in your situation, I think you and your significant other do a really good job in supporting each other um, throughout this journey because I know it can be very hard, especially when only one of the people are in the healthcare industry. Yeah, man. I just like to think of it as just like uh, think of it like just two cups, two people in a relationship. So sometimes you gotta you gotta fill up her cup. Sometimes she has to fill up your cup. And med school drains a lot of my cup, and sometimes I don't have much left in my cup. But she supports my cup. And the days that like I have my cup is overflowing, I fill up her cup. So it's just a back and forth thing. Do you think it's easier to be in a relationship with someone that's also a med student? Or do you think it's it would be harder? Initially, it would probably be easier. But in the long run, I believe, um, let me specify, initially, it would probably be easier to be in a relationship with someone that's a med student. Okay. But I believe in the long run, it would probably be easier to be in a relationship with someone that's not in the medical field. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> because oh, in the long run, they're having yeah. more free time for, like, you know, home, you know, just when you build a family, there's things you have to do, you know, that outside the work environment, uh, relationships you have to form, you know, structure in the home, like things like that. You have to raise your kids, you know, that's that takes a lot of time, you know. And two physicians in the home or two it's tough. workers, it's, tough. Very, it's not easy to do. No, it's a tough. A lot of times yeah. kids don't grow up, you know, the right way. Right. No, it, it's definitely tough. Um, but I, I, I wouldn't mind being a stay-at-home dad if, you know, my, <laughs> if my wife yeah. is bringing in racks, bro. I'll stay, I'll stay at home. Bro. I'm saying, bro, I can cook, bro. Yeah, I that's what I'm home. saying. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Uh, I mean, I definitely heard um, both ways. My friend, my good friend, he's a fourth year. Um, you know, he's uh, been, uh, you know, in love with this girl for years. Um, and they met in undergrad. Uh, and now they're both in different medical schools. Um, and I had a conversation with him and I actually asked him, uh, hey, bro, uh, what do you uh, do you think that you could see yourself with someone outside the healthcare field? And, you know, you know, he's kind of, he's a I mean, he's a medical school veteran. He's a fourth year right now. So and he honestly said to me, like, honestly, no, I don't think I could because and he gave me like percentage. He's like probably 50 percent of our conversations probably talk about healthcare related things or things like that. And I was like, wow. And um you know, that's, I can definitely see where he's coming from. Um, it's, I, I, and just like we kind of just to reiterate what Temi said, or, or sorry, Umer said, you know, it's when you're going through these things, it's, it's hard to resonate in my personal opinion to resonate with someone who doesn't understand what you're going through. Um, you know, and like, I'll use like, let's say I'll use my parents as an example, you know, obviously, um, you know, my parents have never been to medical school. So if I try to talk to my parents about the intricacies of what's going on in the daily day of medical life, school life, they'll offer their input. They'll try to figure out, you know, what they can help me because that's what they're there for. They want to help me and give me input, but like they truly at the end of the day don't understand. And I think having someone that is in medical school that going through the same thing that you're going through, dealing with the same stress, the same daily day, day-to-day activities, that is someone that, can you that can definitely be beneficial in the long run, especially throughout the marathon that is medical school. So then let me ask you this. If you had somebody applying to medical school and they asked, would you recommend someone get into a relationship? And I think this is this is a this is a, this is, a, this, is a, this is a fun question. It's a fair question. Would you guys recommend someone get into a relationship while in medical school? 
Oh, while in? Yeah, throughout medical school. While in medical school, coming into medical school. Well, not coming into medical school. I say, if somebody comes into medical school single, would you recommend, hey, yeah, you should, you know, maybe not actively, but you should, you know, look for a significant other. Be open-minded. Explore your options. You never know right. who you might bump into. You might bump into someone who's really cool, who, like, checks all your lists, you know, and you really enjoy spending time with them and you really see yourself spending the future with them. So you never know. So I don't I wouldn't recommend being closed-minded if you're single, mm-hmm. but like actively searching one may also take away from other things that you should be focusing on in school as well. Honestly, I think, um, I don't think anyone really goes into medical school thinking that they're going to be in a relationship mm-hmm. or they're going to find a relationship. And I can even speak for myself. I wasn't planning to jump into something or go into a relationship, but that's exactly what happened. I, 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 I just, you know, you spend so much time with each other, you're around each other all the time, and eventually, you know, you get close. And, um, you know, obviously I'm not gonna say you shouldn't or you should not, but I definitely think that, you know, go, obviously school should come first. I think school, you have to remember this is gonna be the next four years of your life, but that doesn't mean that you should, I think, what was it, Cody? Cody told me this, Cody was saying like, your medical school is medical school. We're going to go through it four years, but what happens at the end of that? You know, the, 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 at the end of that, it's going to be relationships that matter, friendships that matter, those things right. that are, are lasting. You know, yeah. your, your medical knowledge will go and then you will, will come and, and some of it may go, but those relationships are going to be there. And so cultivating those relationships are going to be important. So I'm not going to say be completely closed minded. And actually, like what Temi said, just go off, off, off of what Temi said, be open minded. You know, you never know, you know, who you can meet who you can end up, you know, having a great time with. So, uh, you know, I would just say be open-minded. Don't be closed-minded, if anything, you know, but also keep school important as well. I just want to add something really cool. So the other day, I don't know if it was yesterday or two days ago, but Joel mentioned something. So in times of stress, we actually release oxytocin. So I don't know if you guys are familiar with Stockholm Syndrome. So it's like a kidnapper uh, robs a bank or something like that, you know, and whoever is being held hostage develops, like, feelings for, like, whoever is they're keeping them hostage, the kidnapper, whatever. And that's because the oxytocin release during the time of stress. And Joel was hypothesizing that during medical school, because of the high periods of stress, we form bonds with a lot of people very easy. And so it may be due to the oxytocin release. So. And, and thank you, Tammy, because I was even hypothesizing about our relationships, like our friendships in medical school. Like I was thinking like, I mean, obviously, Temi, we got close later on, but then for Umer and Temi, uh, Umer and Cody, like I, I, we, we hit it off right away within the first week and two weeks. And like a lot of people, those friendships that they had in the first two weeks are still going. And I'm thinking, how is that possible? But like, I really think that it has to do with, because we're such in a stressful situation, these people have become my brothers, you know? And so I, I definitely think that that's something that happens, especially even with, with the relationships too, not just friendships. See, as I come in with the same mentality that <clears throat> when I came into medical school, I was going to be like, you know, just keep my head down, you know, grind through it, you know, four years, let me just not get distracted and, you know, just push through. But you guys both make very valid points that that isn't necessarily the best approach because you don't know what doors might close on you, right? Because you're just not willing to like turn, turn the knob. Um, so I guess my advice would also just be keep yourself goal oriented, 
you came to medical school not to find a significant other. You came to medical school to get an education, right, to build for your future. In that process, if you run across someone, don't be so quick to shut it down, you know. Um, give it a chance. You never know what might come through. But at the same time, you know, don't lose sight of the relationships you had prior to coming into medical school, right? Mm-hmm. Your parents, your siblings, your friends you grew up with, you know, it's hard to, you know, give them the same time and attention as you were used to, but definitely don't neglect them because that it can, it can be very easy to do that. Um, and one thing I want to say with that is that having that good support system leads to such a good mental health environment for yourself, you know, to have somebody that's always on your side is will do such good for you mentally. Yeah. And it doesn't, honestly, it doesn't take that much effort. We always say we don't have much time. uh, We're so busy, but you really do make time for what you want. Like, and like, even on the weekends, I've made the habit of just, Saturday morning, I just call someone who's important to me and just catch up and whether it be my parents, a close friend or someone, and just, we just catch up and it's really strengthened my relationships, even though I don't have time to talk to them every day. Uh, that's, 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 that's really nice. Um, because while we're talking about that mental health and having that support system, I want, Temi, you ran across something earlier, right? So Temi, you ran across uh, some statistics earlier regarding mental health and suicide. Yeah, and this is actually updated for 2020, uh, for tw- um, but the data is from 2018, and it's from the National Institute of Mental Health. So from the ages 10 to 34, suicide is the second leading cause of death in the United States. This is from the CDC um, data, but the only thing beaten um, that in the ages 10 to 34, it's unintentional injury, and which you don't have much control over. So like, literally, you get suicide is almost like the top killer of age, ages 10 to 34. And it's blowing my mind because it has more than homicides, it has more than cancer, it has more than heart disease and congenital abnormalities, it has more than diabetes, ages 10 to 34, Suicide has more deaths than all of those. Why? Because that's the question that comes up. Why do we think, why do, because I'm looking at the stats right now as well, and it seems that there's a, a quite a bit of a drop off in suicide rates as you get older. But why do, you, why do we think that there's a high suicide propensity amongst like the younger population? I mean, that's a question that I'm sure everyone is trying to answer. Right. Everyone is trying to figure out why is this this is more a bigger situation than we anyone uh, portrays it to be. Um, it's a struggle. It's literally a, an epidemic, you know, within within not just within our own actually more more within within our country, but also around the world as well. Um, and I, I think, you know, and I, I, I'm not going to hypothesize about everyone has a different story. Everyone has different situations. But, you know, I thought Timmy brought something up very very interesting the other day that really stuck with me and it was discussing the maslow's hierarchy of needs and um he and uh, tell me you want to keep talking you want to talk about that you want to just kind of brush on that because i felt like that was kind of like interesting because it kind of explained not only 
it, it explained why why are people in other countries like let's say the third world countries of Africa or India why are they still content with life with so little all right so what Joel's referencing is a conversation that we had a couple of days ago and we were just talking about why mental health is becoming more predominant in developed countries and so my hypothesis was that um, in reference to somebody had to study for the MCAT to get into med school was Maslow's hierarchy of needs and just a quick summary of that is just um, five levels of pyramid, right? And to improve, to go to the next level, you have to meet the requirements of the previous level. So starting from the bottom to the top, it goes your physiological needs, so like water, food, things like that, safety needs, so like shelter. Then it's like love and belonging, so like, you know, emotional needs and esteem, so like respect from your peers. And then at the top of that, self-actualization. And I was just telling Joel, like, in developed countries, man, we don't worry about where our next meal is coming from. We don't worry about if we're going to get kicked out of our um, apartments, um, of our homes. Like, we're not worried about shelter. I mean, the majority of us, some of us are, but the majority of us are not. We're not worried about love and belonging. We know we have people who love us. We know we have respect for our friends. So I all that's left is really self-actualization. And we don't really know what our life means. We don't really know the purpose of our life. and we're, we're struggling trying to find that. And I believe that's the source of a lot of people's mental health problems. So with that hypothesis, would we be able to conclude that the younger population may have a higher suicide rate due to the fact that we don't know where or what our purposes are? We feel lost, um, not too sure what our goals are. We, we don't see that those long-term goals. We don't know what we're doing. And that 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 is that is definitely troublesome. You know, if you don't know where you're headed and you're just going, it can be a very scary place. Yeah, because as a kid, people tell you, right, oh, you're full of potential. You could be anything you want. Like, that's all you are. You're a bundle of potential. And it's great. You have so many avenues. And then you hit your 20s. You're still a bundle of potential. You, hopefully, you, you're directing towards an avenue. But some people still aren't. You know, like, you're still figuring out life. But you don't want to be in your 30s and still be a bundle of potential. Now people are like, okay, what's wrong with you? You can't just be a bundle of potential in your 30s. You have to pick a path. You know, you have to do something with your life. And that's stressing us out because some people are like, oh, am I on the right path? Did I choose the right one? Um, I still don't know what I want to do with my life. You know, like, am I just doing this to be safe? You know, will I be happy with this? Like, we ask ourselves so many questions. We torment ourselves in you know, mental health. And I definitely agree with both of y'all's points. Um, uh, and again, this is not to diminish. We don't know the actual cause. We don't know what the, what's going through their head. Exactly. I mean, I mean, self-actualization might be, is a hypothesis that we're just going out of, but I mean, there could be uh, cases of unresolved issues in childhood or other issues that they grew up with. And so we don't, we're not going to go ahead and speak on that. We don't, we don't know. And we're not, we're not going to act like we do know. However, I do think a common question is, especially among the mid twenties, or close to maybe close to 30s or maybe even young 20s uh, early 20s is you know what is my purpose what am i supposed to do with my life and i believe that some people have a lot of difficulty with that question and you know i've even had and the reason i say this is because i've had conversations with my close friends who are doing things are doing great jobs successful people you know i'm i'm lacking behind because i'm medical school so i still got like you know 10 20 more years left uh till i become a doctor right so <laughs> uh, so you know all my friends are already working and you know that's a question they, it's, they struggle with in terms of you know trying to figure out you know what is what is that what are they supposed to be doing you know what what is what are they where are they going and um 
I think another issue that's playing into this is the issue of comparison. You know, you see people on your Facebook media or Facebook or Instagram media doing all these things. You're like, oh, these, this person is doing this. What am I doing in my life? Why am I not this? Why am I can't be? And I think social media has been a downright downfall for, in a lot of ways, for our country, our country and just, it's just the world because we just compare ourselves so much that we feel insignificant when we don't have to. And I think one of the things, Temi said this, Temi said this. To me, and it stuck with it. It said, like, how would you feel if you opened up your door and you saw everyone doing everything, doing get someone getting an award, someone getting a house, and you literally opened your door? I'm talking about your house or your apartment door, and you saw all that. That's literally what you're doing when you open your phone on in the first thing in the morning when you open up Instagram or or, or Facebook or Twitter. You're seeing all these everyone's accomplishments, and you just makes makes you feel insignificant. Yeah, and. I kind of want to emphasize that that even though there's such a large issue with mental health awareness and suicide rates and depression, that I'm happy to say that there are avenues to find help. There are avenues to combat this um, and to seek out help. And we're, we're Timmy and I and Joel, we're going to leave a couple links and you know, information that you guys can please share with, you know, um, your friends and family, because we never really know, you know, it's not like it, it, it can be asymptomatic is what I'm saying. You never really know what someone's going through, right? And people really get to hide in it. Yeah, exactly. So we're, we're going to leave a couple links and, um, and, and avenues that you guys can use to, you know, share and help and seek out help as well. Yes, and just to put it in perspective, from the ages 25 to 34, suicide took 8,020 lives. Homicide took 5,234 lives. So suicide took almost 3,000 more lives. People voluntarily killing themselves. So we do have a problem on our hands, and I encourage people, if you're struggling, to reach out for help. Um, the suicide hotline will be posted, but if you're listening, it's 1-800-273-8255. Again, that's 1-800-273-8255. But yeah, reach out for help to licensed um, therapists, uh, licensed psychologists, licensed um, psychiatrists. But just please reach out for help because no one will know most of the time because people are so good at hiding. As someone who struggled with depression in high school, I pondered killing myself, and my cousin actually talked me out of it. Like, if I did not reach out to him, I did not know where I would be today. So exactly, and I want to make this a point to our fellow medical students as well. You know, talk to your classmates. You know, if talk to your family. If if you have anyone, and if you're and if you're worried about being a burden on others, then please reach out for professional help as well. Um, talk to your schools. I'm sure most schools if not all schools have some form of mental health help, you know, our school offers does a great job as well. So if you're listening, you know, we're here for you guys as well. Um, and we don't want anyone to take this route. We want you guys to be in a safe and healthy place, both spiritually, mentally, and physically. And that's kind of what we promote here on what to do, what to deal. Um, so do you guys have any closing remarks? Stay safe and happy holidays. Yeah, what Joel said. Happy holidays, man. You guys have a good one. See you in the next episode. Peace. Peace.